The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of ACUMA, its board of directors, its management staff, or its members. The podcast discussion presented is conversational in nature and for general information only. Hello and welcome to Acme's On Point Podcast, the policy series, where we focus on policy issues impacting the credit union mortgage industry. I'm your host, Peter Benjamin. Today's episode is being brought to you by Lender Price, the most modern and proven product and pricing engine in lending. Whether it's enhancing the pricing experience or efficiently matching home buyers with the ideal loan program, Lender Price empowers all credit unions to excel and innovate in today's dynamic market. Their cost-effective pricing engine provides modern APIs that deliver seamless integrations, full product and rate support, custom workflows, and it's simple and easy to use for loan originators. Lender Price is proud to sponsor the Acme OnPoint Podcast Policy Series, where discussions on the policy issues impacting credit union mortgage lenders take center stage. Get to know Lender Price and book a demo at www. LenderPrice.com. Now, joining us today as our resident expert is Leah Dempsey, shareholder with Brown Scene. Leah, welcome to the podcast. And how are you doing today? I am doing well. I'm I'm coming off uh, Valentine's Day. I learned a valuable lesson about um, how much sugar I should give my two and a half and four year old who <laughs> all the sugar, right? All the sugar. <laughs> Did not go to sleep until about 11 p.m. last night after a fun Valentine's Day. Um, but other than that, uh, it's, it's been a good week and, and a busy week here in D.C. for for credit unions. OK, but before we get to that. So I also have young kids. Oldest is six uh, twin girls that, that are about to turn four. And, and they rarely get sugar like we we I don't know why they just they, they're not they're, they're more like me. They kind of want like salty, sweet, salty things, but the sugar is not really something they crave. But we gave them like some cupcakes yesterday. Probably it was around 430, 430. They got one cupcake each and they didn't even finish it all. They were bouncing off the walls to like 10. And I was like, this is the worst decision we've ever made. Yeah. But it's, it's a it's, it's OK. Anyways. Anyway, so Leah. Like I said, there's like you said, excuse me, there's there's a lot happening in D.C. right now. Walk us through everything happening in Washington that has the potential to impact our our credit union members. Sure. Well, one thing I wanted to talk a little bit about is robocalls, um, something that is are, you know, really universally unpopular. Uh, especially when you're hearing from a politician asking you for money or, um, you know, someone trying to sell you a cruise. Uh, all of those are are stories that uh, members of Congress are hearing about and the FCC is hearing about. But, you know, as you know, Peter, uh, credit unions make calls that, you know, we wouldn't necessarily call them robocalls, but they're calling and texting their members to let them know about really critical information such as, you know, fraud alerts or, um, you know, an an account balance that they they need to know about. And we've seen um, a focus in Congress, uh, you know, almost every session on the Telephone Consumer Protection Act which is a, a statute that um, the plaintiff's bar loves because there are very strict statutory damages. If you violate the statute, 
you can uh, be fined up to $500 per call. So it's a, it's a great way to to make some money if you find a good legal theory for someone violating the statute. And credit unions, unfortunately, have um, found themselves uh, subject to this litigation in the past. And there's been um, some developments at the Supreme Court level over the last few years. This one case called uh, Facebook versus Do Good that um, was actually very helpful to some of this litigation because it the Supreme Court uh, in a nine to zero decision uh, changed the the view of some of the lower courts on what the definition of auto dialer is. And it it made it more streamlined and narrow so that a lot of these calling devices that credit unions are using that they don't consider to be uh, an automated telephone dialing system, not to then be, you know, pulled under this the statute and subject to this litigation. So that was a uh, extremely helpful development a few years ago at the Supreme Court level. But Congress uh, and the FCC have both uh, indicated that they they might want to change change that ruling and and redefine um, how what might be considered an auto dialer. And we've seen some legislation just in the last few weeks that for credit unions um, could introduce some some new liability in that area and sort of roll back some of the progress that's been made. That's awesome. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, so the TCPA, obviously it's a big part, you know, it does impact, you know, just general servicing calls or, or collection calls. Um, so that, that's an interesting, interesting development. So what, what else are, are you seeing out of DC um, that, that you're finding quite interesting at this point? And one thing I'll just add uh, another in sort of the same realm, but a little bit different. The FCC also last week said that um, the TCPA prohibits AI voice generated robocalls, which you may have heard about, you know, some sort of scammer was using AI generated robocalls to tell people not to go vote in a recent primary so I think this caught the attention of the FCC and they they put this out um, and there's been a lot of questions, you know, how does this impact a credit union? I don't think it really does because credit unions are getting consent for their calls for the, for the most part. So this really is focused on people that are not getting consent and are making the, those illegal and, and spoof calls that we actually all really want to be regulated and don't want. Oh, yeah. I mean, 100 percent. I mean, it seems like on a daily basis, you get phone calls or even text message about something, especially now the election's coming up. It's it's getting worse. Right. 100 percent. Exactly. OK, good, good, good. What else? What else we got? So otherwise, um, D- Director Tropper, the CFPB director, spoke at the House uh, Democrat retreat last week, and we heard that there were several issues discussed that are probably of interest to credit unions. Um, they He talked a little bit about the housing and mortgage market and the fact that um, there's some challenges there still for consumers. He specifically mentioned um, tenant screening issues. And, and one thing kind of related to that that is also timely, this week, the FTC uh, junk fee comments were, were due and they in in their proposal they they kind of put out a broad proposal that 
talked about junk fees. You know, we've talked about this before. It's it's something that the administration in general is looking at, but they they really left it wide open to hell. Um, they may use their their UDEP authority on these issues, and they mentioned something like the the fees for trash services uh, at a you know a multifamily housing unit. I think it goes a lot further than that, but that was just one thing that that, that was mentioned. But this is a, another area that particularly state chartered credit unions might want to be keeping an eye on because the FTC does have some jurisdiction over um, state chartered credit unions, whereas NCUA would be you know focused on the federal credit unions. Right, 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 right. So you know, with UDAP, obviously. There are some revisions to that coming up or proposed revisions to that, right? What did he mention anything about that at all in his in his little well, speech? Yeah, that's a great point. Well, there was a, a policy statement that came out of uh, about you know eight months ago that really broadened um, the ability of the CPB to get creative and and what they might consider a UDAP. One thing I would flag for everyone to take a look at is this new proposal on NSF fees, which on its face looks completely innocuous because, you know, there's already guidance about that. And, and credit unions have have kind of changed their practices already and are, are arguably not doing what the, the CFPB is is talking about there. But the reason it's it's of interest is how the CFPB uses their UDEP authority in that proposal they take a very broad approach to saying that, um, you know, it's an abusive act to, you know, be charged for a fee that you basically signed a contract um, consenting to already. So it really, you know, read in its broadest way could impact a whole host of contracts that credit unions may have with their members. So I know that um, that's something that banks and, and, other groups are are thinking need some more clarification from the from the bureau. Okay. Okay. All right. So, what else are you watching? Just out of curiosity. Well, we, you know, fair lending has is is definitely a top of mind for everyone on on Capitol Hill right now. Um, they, you know, we've seen a number of letters coming from. Uh, Democratic senators to both uh, the you know a number of agencies the the CFPB the NCUA uh, DOJ um, asking about some of these claims that have been made about Navy Federal Credit Union. Uh, frankly, I think the banks are are looking at this as an opportunity to really push a message that they've been pushing for a long time that credit unions need to be subject to the CRA. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, some of the discussions on the Hill are, you know, whether this this is a time that now that, you know, that idea should be pushed further. So that's something that, um, you know, obviously the CRA has a lot of uh, compliance associated with that and, and litigation associated with that. So if that was a, an entirely new standard for credit unions beyond um, what they're already doing with the Equal Credit Opportunity Act and the other consumer protection statutes that they're operating under, it would be, um, you know, definitely a new world and a new twist. So 
uh, keeping an eye on all of those discussions and and seeing where things go. Yeah, it, and yeah, this is something that, that we've discussed in the and not so much you and I, but you know, Ashton has discussed a lot in the past. Like, and, and putting aside you know the CNN article, putting aside the things that happened towards the end of 2023, but CRA, right? CRA has been a conversation that, that we have had with our members several times throughout 2022 and 2023, you know, especially as you think back to like 2022, when, you know, California was trying to push for credit unions to be included in CRA requirements, right? You know, this is something that this is a good example of how as an industry, that's credit unions as a whole, you know, you have to ask that question, have we done enough to prove them wrong as to why CRA really shouldn't apply to us? We're community-based lenders, we're community-focused, you know, we, we, Especially when you look at whether it's low-income designated credit unions, you know we tend to be in the communities that we serve, and we really focus on them. But again, the big question is: Have we done enough? And you know, maybe we have, maybe we haven't. It's not up for me to to, to decide that. But I will say, you know, when it comes to organizations or or groups that are pushing for credit unions to fall underneath CRA, it seems like there's a lot more of them than there are of us saying, no, CRA really should not apply to us, and here's why, right? Um, that, that's interesting. I, I, had, I had a gut feeling that the CRA conversation was once again come up, and I I hear it, and I'm like, I, part of me wants to roll my eyes. At the same time, part of me is like, we, we talked about this a couple of years ago. That the, yeah. this this was on the horizon, and and I even heard that the attorney for um, the, the plaintiff suing Navy Federal was was part of discussions with Democrats on Capitol Hill uh, just within the last week or two. So I do think that you know the banks. This is they say in D.C. Um, you know never don't take advantage of of a crisis and i think the banks probably see this as a little bit of a crisis situation for credit unions and think this is the time for us to step in with our lobby um and you know to your point there's a lot that can be debated about this and discussed about um some you know some of the the merits and um whether it makes sense but uh i think it's always best when people don't have a gut reaction you know, based on a singular issue as as a whole means of creating new legislation and new requirements. Right. But this always seems like one of those things, one of those topics, one of those conversations that the um, I'm just going to use, say, the banks, right? The banks use, they keep it in their back pocket. And the second credit union step out of line, they kind of wave that flag. Oh, don't forget about this. Don't forget about CRA, right? It, it just always seems to be that thing. That and our tax exemption, right? Those tend to be the two two things that they always tend to fall back on, right? Or unless, I mean, unless I'm wrong, but at least from my perspective, that just always seems to be it. Is that yeah? No, I think um, many many hours of uh, Capitol Hill staffers' lives have been spent hearing the bank side and the credit union side. I think we all know where everyone on this call stands on some of those issues, but we will not. Um, But, uh, and then, you know, the other thing I would just flag as an update this week is there is a, um, a hearing on the, the fed discount window and some discussions about the role of the federal home loan banks and, and how they 
Um, we're part of the the regional banking crisis that occurred last spring. Uh, so that that hearing is actually happening this morning. So have, are not, I'm not exactly sure how it's going to play out, but um, I think just something to continue watching. Uh, you know, again, it's 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 kind of the same thing where the home loan banks, by all accounts, you know, seem to have done exactly what they were asked to do in that situation, and they they provided more liquidity than. Um, they had ever before and, and kind of keeping things afloat. But there are always people that want to have a, a gut reaction to, um, you know, say things should have been done differently or better. And um, of course, Congress always has a lot to to say on those things. So we'll see how that hearing plays out as well. Okay. Okay. You know, I, I, I have two topics that, you know, I look for updates on for if I could, you know, the election, anything on any movement on that from your perspective? I, I know, I mean, I hate that I'm going to keep asking about this month in, month out about, you know, what's going on with the election from your perspective. But, you know, here we are. It's, it's an election year. So it's an important part of the conversation. And it's something that, that could potentially impact our members. Any updates on election pro- on the elections movement, election movement, excuse me. Um, You know, it's. Right now, it, it it certainly appears that it's it's going to be President Biden and uh, former President Trump as as the two uh, people running against each other. But there have been some, you know, some serious questions about um, President's President Biden's health, and I think some of that was highlighted in the last week or two, um, in by the DOJ and. Um, I'm sure everyone has seen seen the news on that, but I will say, and, I, and I'm the Republican. Zach's our, our Democrat, so we we may have um, different thoughts on some of these things. But my my Democrat friends, even during that um, that whole situation, I think really started to question whether there's actually a pretty strong possibility that President Biden may not end up being the candidate. Um, you know, we'll see how how things develop between now and November, but um, it, it certainly seems like there are some pretty serious questions about, you know, whether he would be in, in good enough health over the next four years after November to to kind of have that job. Yeah, so that's that's interesting. I mean, I read something very similar to that. And obviously, you depending on social media, what, what social media outlet or, or news outlet that you read, you know, there's been hints of that as well. You know, you know, obviously, we're, we are a mortgage focus association, so I'm gonna ask a housing question. Do you think, you know, if Democrats were to replace Biden as as the name on the ticket, do you envision that housing will play an important role in the election if a new Democrat is is written in? I mean, I think housing is a very important issue for the election. The The cost of housing, um, you know, right now, people trying to buy houses are are subject to these impossible interest rates. Um, there's a, a, a not enough of a supply. You know, as we talked about before, there's just a, a lot of new regs in that area. And um Things are do not appear to be getting more affordable anytime soon. And I think there's going to be 
some action that needs to be taken in at the you know policymaking level to address that uh, over the next few years. So I, I definitely see affordable housing continuing to be a top focus. Um, I think no matter who is president, there's going to be a lot of movement because if you know the Biden administration continues or or a, a similar Democrat administration continues, there's still a lot of work that's ongoing right now that they're going to be continuing to um, to work on. And I think if, you know, if President Trump becomes the president again, um, there's probably going to be a lot of rolling back of, of some of the, the regs that we've seen, sort of like that junk fees uh, proposal that I mentioned and, and some of the tenant screening type uh, issues that are coming out of the CFPB, as well as, you know, things that HUD and 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 FHFA as well. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, the other topic is, is, is Basel three, and I hate that I keep bringing it up, but I, I, for me, I, I just view this as one of those items or one of those topics that credit unions as as a whole are not paying enough attention to. You know, and, you know, good example would be you know just. You know, earlier today, an article came out that kind of broke down, you know, the the capital risk weights on home loans, you know, based off, you know, the current and proposed. And it was interesting to see, you know, really at that that 60 to 80 percent loan to value, there's there's really no difference between what's currently in place versus what's proposed. But what really is impactful is that the second you get above that 80 percent mark, you know, that capital risk weight really starts impacting. And impacting the individual loan and the possible pricing and, and the affordability aspect. Okay, well, if it's impacting affordability, that means an already tough market's gonna get even more difficult. Um, but also how does that impact interest rates, lend the ability to lend, et cetera. So anyways, I'm just going down a rabbit hole. Any any movement on, or any, any additional conversations on Basel three? Well, I think I totally agree with you. I think you're exactly right. There's um, a whole host of uh, provisions in there that could be problematic, either I think directly for credit unions or indirectly in in creating more difficult lending situations. Uh, there had there was a, a hearing in Health Financial Services Committee this month. I think we're going to continue to see hearings on this topic and pushback on this topic. You know, during that comment period that closed a few weeks ago, everyone in the housing industry almost universally agreed that there are some things that need to be rethought. So I'm hoping that, you know, kind of following on all the things we just talked about and, and how important affordable housing is going to be um, politically in the election and just in general, that they really think about these unintended consequences that would harm probably the people that I think politicians are probably most trying to help if if they're not addressed. So we, um, I think we'll continue to see more on that. But um, you know, a lot of times when you're you're working with the agencies, they they have a a final rule in mind. Even when they propose it, they you know it's questionable whether they're really looking for feedback. My gut is that there was enough substantive feedback on this issue raising some really serious concerns that they're going to have to listen, but we will see. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're, we're approaching time. Any final thoughts before we, we kind of part ways? Uh, I don't think so. I, um, it's, it's been fun to 
you know, talk about some of these issues. I think we're going to continue to just see uh, a fire hose of, of things coming at us, I think, between now and the election. So uh, we'll just continue to keep everyone updated and appreciate the time and opportunity to talk to you today. No, no, no. Thank you. Again, we can really mean that. Thank you for being here and, and continuing support of Acuma, our members, but also the credit movement. So again, really always enjoy hearing from you. So thank you very much. Um, and, and kind of just to close out, thank you again to Lender Price for sponsoring our policy podcast series. And to all of you, we know your time is valuable. Thank you for tuning into the latest episode of Acme's On Point Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, bye for now. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time at the Acuma On Point Podcast. If not already, be sure to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. For more great episodes and information, be sure to visit us online at acuma.org. And to get the latest updates, head over to our LinkedIn page.